Hello and welcome to Amplify. Music there from Derek Ball, his valediction, and we'll hear from him later in the episode. This week we're featuring conversations with some of the composers and musicians in CMC's Contemporary Artists Network of CMC colleagues. And to tell us more about this, I'm joined by my colleague Linda O'Shea Farron. Hi Linda. Hi Jonathan. So tell us about this programme. What is it and why are we doing it? Well, maybe I'll go into the why we are doing it first, Jonathan. As you know, I joined CMC four years ago. And while I knew quite a few composers before joining CMC, this was very much at a social level. And through this job, and also maybe even more so through the survey of composers that I did for my own master's thesis, I got more of an insight into the day-to-day life of a composer. And I was struck by what seemed to me to be less regular, broad-based contact between composers and performers than I had always assumed would be the case. And I'm sure you've had this experience yourself, Jonathan, where you're at the interval of a concert and you find yourself introducing a composer to a performer, assuming they already know each other, but you're just being polite. And then you discover actually they've never actually spoken to each other. And this happened repeatedly to me. I suppose part of it may be because performers often commission composers and that may make composers reluctant to appear to be very sort of self-promoting or forward. And while CMC represents composers, obviously performers of contemporary music from Ireland are very much at the centre of our focus. And I guess that's the kind of backdrop to the idea of putting collaboration between composers and performers on a more formal footing and how the CMC Colleagues programme was eventually born. Artistically, it really is a blank sheet. And this, again, is partially emanating from the fact that a lot of composers' practice is very driven by commissions. And while obviously commissions are very, very important, and that's how they're funded, it can leave less room for them to discover their own practice or develop their own practice. And the freedom of this is that this is not a commission. The downside is it doesn't come with funding. But then again, there's no requirement to have a composition at the end of it or indeed any other outcome as such. It's an opportunity for colleagues to get to know each other, to collaborate for collaboration's sake, and to explore where this might actually take their respective practices. And given that 40 collaborations among 87 colleagues who decided to participate in the programme will inevitably lead to some commissions and some projects that may not be commission-based, obviously CMC would be delighted to support any funding applications that they may put in and to publicise any events they have and to watch out for performance opportunities and any other supports we can give. So you mentioned there were over 80 between composers and and, and musicians, performers that had, had signed up for this programme, which results in, in about 40 pairings. How did you go about pairing the composers with the musicians and what are 
some of the reasons for people wanting to work with each other? Well, this is very much the nuts and bolts of it. And uh, I found this part of it fascinating myself. Um, So first, obviously, you have to build up a body of composers and performers who might apply. CMC represented composers are a very discreet group of people, all of whom can be contacted as a group and asked if they want to apply. So that was the easy part. However, I also had to build up a list of performers who are either specialists or in some way, more interestingly, people who want to engage with contemporary music, because this is an opportunity for people who may not already be fully fledged specialists. Now, I did know from generally speaking, composers being interested in collaborating with performers, I did think some of them would sign up. I'm not sure I was expecting 40, but needless to mention, I was delighted with 40. And so I had to ratchet up my search for performers quite a bit as time went on. And it took a bit of gentle persuasion here and there, but uh, we got plenty of willing performers. But in terms of pairing then, I weighed up the pros and cons, Jonathan, of total random selection, which could have been interesting, versus people having a say in who they might be paired with. And I came down basically to an even Steven situation in terms of pros and cons. So I decided to give a choice to participants as between totally random selection or they're going off preparing themselves by, you know, my applying for you and you're applying for me. But I also devised in the application process a way, I built it in, if you like, of a hybrid option. And I did this by giving performers an option to specify one or more composers with whom they might like to work. But that, of course, assumed, Jonathan, that those composers would apply to participate. And I gave composers the option to specify not performers because the performers didn't have a ready base. Like, we don't represent performers. So I gave them the option to specify instruments they might like to work with. And assuming performers of those instruments applied, I might be able to matchmake them, if you like, because Mm. somebody had asked for composer X and composer X wants a violinist. That gave me kind of flexibility to do a bit of matching and making, if you like, as well as people totally randomly being selected and people coming in as a ready-made pair. So we have a conversation now recorded earlier with one of the pairings, and this involves three artists. Tell me about how this collaboration was formed. Well, that was one of the hybrid pairings, if you like, because it stands to reason that Jen Kirby, who's a composer, but also a computer scientist, and Robbie Blake, who's a composer, vocalist, dance specialist, and Sinead Hayes, who's a conductor, as well as being a fiddler and a qualified engineer, that's a grouping that is not necessarily going to find each other. They know each other tangentially in some cases and have worked with each other, but they are exactly that kind of trio that all applied separately, but who, you know, wanted movement and music or wanted some sort of electronics work. And they are a grouping that I had to kind of phone each other and say, how would you like to work with the other two? And we were all delighted. Let's have a listen to this conversation now. CMC director Yvonne Ferguson in conversation with Jen Kirby, Robbie Blake and Sinead Hayes. Hi, I'm Sinead Hayes and I'm a conductor and a fiddle player from Galway. Hi there, I'm Robbie Blake. I'm a composer and a performer and I lead a vocal ensemble, Tanta, who specialise in contemporary music. Hi, I'm Jen Kirby. I'm a composer and performer. 
So we're joined by the three of you to uh, talk about the fact that you are going to collaborate as CMC colleagues in the CMC New Contemporary Artists Network. So tell me, you're all coming to this collaboration uh, with a few different artistic hats on, I think it's fair to say. And uh, you're also people who usually kind of oversee presentations of work, the productions of your own work and uh, are very much part of the performance in many occasions. So in terms of, um, you know, how we've kind of reached this grouping of the three of you coming together to work, uh, what was kind of attractive to you about becoming part of the Contemporary Artists Network, Sinead? Well, for me, it was great to feel that I could be part of something like one among equals, which is lovely uh, and not just the conductor outside of it, really just part of it. And um, I suppose I've always just been interested in process and fascinated with the voice and fascinated with electronics. And Jen has definitely got like all the answers to all my crazy questions about electronics. So it's been amazing to just kind of find out from her about how she works and how she puts things together. And same for Robbie as well, like his process and, you know, finding out how, how he works. So that's been just a joy, really. You mentioned that we all wear different hats and that's probably one of the things that attracted me to this as well, that Robbie and Sinead do lots of different things. We haven't even really figured out what our even roles are within that because we can each take uh, multiple roles. And I think that's really, really exciting, getting other people's perspectives on that, regardless, I suppose, of the amount of the experience people have on it, uh, just opens up whole new possibilities because people ask new questions. Um, so I think that's really exciting to know that people have got an interest in some of these elements of process, uh, voice, movement, um, and electronics and looking at what are the possibilities that other people can come up with. I think that's the stuff that's really exciting to me, that that it's not clear and obvious what the end result will be. And in a lot of projects, that's what you're really driven by. You're driven by knowing that this is what we've got to do in the end. I think the thing that was most exciting for me about the initiative was the prospect of collaboration. I think I'm really drawn to collaboration. And I, I, when I was reflecting on it, actually, it's the kind of main characteristic of my practice, I think, is really foregrounding collaboration. So I was really excited about it. And then when, you know, I heard about Sinead and Jen, I was really excited about the kind of overlap around embodiment and movement, actually, as, as a kind of foregrounded element to, to practice as, as musicians. As we say, there's no kind of boundaries in place just yet, but we're going to be working with uh, a kind of an intuitive approach to create the boundaries and the, the shape of the collaboration as we go. Tell me, Robbie, about some of the ideas that you've kind of bounced around already. You've mentioned movement. I'm interested in how that aspect might be developed with the three of you. It seems like there's a real synergy between the three of us that actually uh, music and our experience of it isn't just um, the one dimensional of the hour It's actually this this three dimensional experience that we're going to have and share with an audience that that's really the whole point of it. Already, we've been kind of taking the approach of just throwing stuff at the wall and see what sticks in our one conversation that we've had so far, to be fair. But, you know, stuff like trad and um, vocoders and shannos and movement. I mean, like just uh, hearing a lot about uh, Jen's work with um, game tracks 
if that's the right, right phrase, based this you know wonderful gestural technology where you you start to manipulate and create sound through through interacting with a essentially a technological instrument uh, that that has a whole realm of electronical uh, programming behind it, especially as a vocalist where the whole body is available and imagining that with like six singers seeing this kind of crazy symphonic world perhaps emerge from that is just really exciting. Sinead, you mentioned at the beginning there, you know, that you're attracted to being, I suppose, integral in this. Are there, I suppose, structures or conditions or atmospheres or environments that are positive or, you know, that nurture collaboration? Yeah, I think definitely. I mean, I suppose when I'm working and and I've just been working with Robbie, actually, on on another project and we've talked a lot around this. What I love when I'm working, certainly with Hard Rain, who I work with a lot in Belfast, is just to create a space where everyone is questioning. So everyone's asking why, even of my decisions, I supposedly have all the answers, but I really don't like being in that position because that you're putting yourself really above the other six artists in the room. And you're saying, well, my, uh, my ideas carry more weight than yours. And actually... What I love to create is a space where people feel that they can say, well, actually, I think it should be this way. And we'll we'll measure it and we'll kind of weigh that up and a shared sense of responsibility for the whole final outcome. If everyone feels like they can really have an opinion and even if it's shot down, they've had it. And it's it's brilliant to, ha- to have an opinion. And like even when I work with youth, youth orchestras, I always just ask them, you know, why? Always question why and always have an opinion as to why, because this makes you a thinking musician and it also then makes you a thinking audience member for later on. Because I think certainly as musicians, what we really want to be done, we want to be held to account. We want them to know that we've put in the extra hour to get that phrase just, just right. And we want them to notice. And it's only by building that into their own kind of questioning mentality and kind of critical listening and critical, critical skills that we will get that. But that's kind of slightly a tangent to this really, but it's, um, it's, it's about creating that that kind of questioning space and, and always just just asking why. Mm-hmm. Jen, practically speaking, how do you think you're going to create that space given the situation that we're in at the moment? Do you see the group really primarily connecting uh, virtually or would you hope that you know, when restrictions lift that you are able to possibly come together physically? You're, you're all located in different areas of the world. Yeah, I think at the moment um, there's ways that actually that that we can work together that isn't just virtually. So even we discussed even me kind of sending some uh, controllers for Robbie and Sinead to interact with. And then and then that, that brings that movement back into it and this idea that everyone's movement is individual. Uh, and it ties in, I think, with what Sinead is saying as well about everyone having their own perspective and um, on things that actually everyone has their own movement and performance means that and there's so much more flexibility in an electronics way of doing that than there is you know it's almost like if someone handed you a violin and you said actually I'm going to take it apart and put it back together a different way you can't really do that with a violin. you can but you're going to make something else uh, but you can do that with electronics and that's another thing that requires you to have some sort of boundaries but that I think makes it really exciting that you can that I can share some of the stuff that I've designed that is based on my intuition as to how I move as a performer or even just how I 
as a human, how I think that this movement should work and how I think musical meaning comes into this kind of movement. But I can share that with, with Robbie and Sinead offline and they can interact with things and, and they will absolutely move and experience and have have different meanings in their movements than I will. I think this this allows us to collaborate not just virtually, even though we're physically separated, but actually we can experience a collaborative process um, independently and then share some of those results. It really is looking at stretching some of the boundaries of how you might normally work with people at the moment. I'm, I'm really excited about that. And I think that there are ways that we can explore this non-virtually even now. And who knows um, what, what we'll do afterwards when we have uh, less restrictions, let's say. Hmm. So it sounds like some musical discovery is going to be had. But I have to ask the question, is Robbie going to get you two ladies singing? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if they will, uh, of course. I mean, one of the things that I, I, I think is just so exciting is, um, I suppose finding different avenues to feel embodied and my, my main way for me to experience that is really through singing. So I'm, I love sharing that, I suppose, with any collaborator, be they, um, you know, someone who is never going to sing, you know, in the collaboration that I make, uh, or they are going to sing. Um, so yeah, I'm, if they'll, if they'll, they're willing, then yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You know, I asked you that question deliberately because I know you're quite evangelical about getting people singing. So, uh, <laughs> um, it's yeah. been a really great pleasure to, to have a quick chat with you as you embark on this really exciting process of the three of you working together as CMC colleagues right across 2021. Thanks so much. Thanks very much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much, Yvonne. Jen Kirby, Robbie Blake and Sinead Hayes talking last week to Yvonne Ferguson. It's interesting, Linda, to hear from these artists at the very early stage of their collaboration. And it's 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 something you don't often hear. Well, as I said a little bit earlier, composers talk a lot about working to other people's agenda and working to commission, if you like, and not being able to find the time to develop their own compositional practice. Mm. And I think that's what you're finding here in this particular grouping, because they truly are on a journey of exploration as they come from very different backgrounds and they are not a classic pairing of composer-performer. And the crucial difference with the Colleagues Programme is that there's no predetermined goal or purpose. It truly is an open-ended journey of discovery. And I think that is the kind of early stage talk that you're hearing from the three of them in their contribution. And the other thing, of course, is that time can sometimes be a very big problem for collaboration because composers juggle a lot of jobs, be it teaching, performing, arts management, alongside their composing. And performers, of course, are always working very long and irregular hours. And COVID-19, I suppose, has slowed us all down a little bit. And while, of course, it has restricted what we can do in terms of traveling to and from each other, collaboration would always in the past have been considered something you did in person. With COVID-19, it has emanated a lot of ways of people communicating who aren't in the same country, let alone in the same room. And I think that's the newness of this that you're hearing from Jen, Robbie and Sinead in their discussion. Mm. So unlike Jen, 
Robbie and Sinead, the next pairing is very, very different in terms of the direction it's taken. Yes, well, composer Derek Ball and French horn player Hannah Miller were two of the many people who applied and didn't give any specifications about pairing. They simply signed up and um, were picked out of a hat. So they were randomly selected and uh, that creates its own excitement, I think, because it's sort of like a lucky dip. You know, you may not get what you wanted, but it's still exciting. <laughs> and it has a newness to it, I think, that can fire the imagination. Because if you didn't think to compose with a French horn before, this might get you think, it would have to get you thinking. Hannah's sort of level of expertise, and I suppose her being very much at the cutting edge of her contemporary music on the French horn is going nowadays means it could go anywhere and as we discovered has already gone quite a distance. So here is that conversation with Derek Ball and Hannah Miller now. My name is Hannah Miller and I'm a French horn player. I have recently graduated from the Juilliard School in New York. I was really lucky to get a position in a wind quintet in Paris so that's where I'm calling from at the moment. And Derek? I've been around an awful long time. Probably most people have heard my name and um, I've had a fairly sparse career with performances now and then and a big break in the middle during which I went off, had a completely different career. At the moment, I'm, I'm, I live in Glasgow, but I'm in Donegal quite a lot and, and Dublin quite a lot in normal times when we're not pinned down. I'm really glad like, to have participated in the CMC Collaborative Network to have had the opportunity to meet because I don't know if our paths would have ever crossed because him living in Glasgow and me now living in Paris and stuff, I don't think we ever would have had that kind of opportunity to find each other. And it was such a nice surprise because our names kind of just got pulled out of a hat and paired together. And it turns out that Derek also plays horn, which is just such a strange coincidence. (laughs) And he already has so much knowledge about the instrument, which is brilliant because all of the pieces he's written so far all have like really intricate things that are really integral to the technique of the horn and stuff. So it's brilliant to have been paired with someone who knows already so much. It's not quite such a coincidence, Hannah, that you hit on somebody that plays the horn because I also play the clarinet, the fiddle a bit. I can play the harp, guitar, (laughs) piano, of course. However, I love the French horn. I suppose every instrument has its peculiarities that make it suitable for a certain kind of music and, and unsuitable for other kinds of music. The French horn probably has more peculiarities than most other instruments. It's a very difficult instrument to play, as I know, and uh, I have a French horn behind me. Wild horses wouldn't induce me to play it in public because I'm so terrible at it, and I'm not even in practice at the moment. It is lovely to be able to sort of um, share ideas with somebody who really knows the instrument properly. Um, uh, I'm glad to hear you say that I seem to know what I'm doing. That's very reassuring. <laughs> well, absolutely. Yeah, in, in all of our email correspondence so far, Derek kind of keeps bringing up uh, things like glissandi and microtonal working and stuff where I'm like singing and playing at the same time, which he's obviously experimented with. Derek is absolutely phenomenal at just creating pieces out of the shortest conversation that we might have. So I think we've had two Zoom meetings together and he has created already like four pieces and is working on a fifth, um, none of which I've actually like followed through with recording properly yet or anything. So he's much more on the ball than I am. Well, well, however, I'm I'm not as busy as you are. Well, (laughs) yeah, I've had kind of a hectic month anyway, definitely, but... 
Derek's output is like twice as much as the input of the conversation time that we've had together. We've only had like a few chats of Zoom meetings and a bit of email correspondence with each other. And then he'll send me on another piece that he's just come up with all of a sudden. So it's really amazing to have someone so enthusiastic to work with. It's not the first time I've had this sort of experience of meeting somebody and, you know, um, pieces being generated as a result of the interaction. But um you know, five and potentially six pieces so quickly. A month or two, I can't remember exactly. It's not very long anyway. I didn't know what to expect from the collaboration at all. I'm a performer with Kirkos Ensemble and that's how I kind of got introduced because CMC and Kirkos were doing a collaboration recently. And I kind of thought that seems like an interesting opportunity and there's never any harm in kind of expanding like opportunities for horn repertoire. When I got paired with Derek, of course, I went and researched him straight away. And on the CMC website, he has something like crazy, like 23 pages of music that he's written. So I was aware that he had quite a good output rate. (laughs) Making things unnecessarily difficult for the performer is never a good idea. Um, So difficulties and peculiar techniques just for the sake of them probably put performers off, I'd say. Um, I've never directly had the experience of somebody saying to me, you know, you've written that very, in a very difficult way. But um, I, I've heard performers saying it about, about other, other pieces that, that they were rehearsing at the time. That kind of lesson has taught me, don't ever do something just for the sake of difficulty. Only do it if it's really necessary and it, you know, it's obvious to the performer that it's, it's difficult for a reason. There's one piece that Derek has written called Marking Out. The first section of it just completely follows the kind of structure of the harmonic series on the horn and is like looks on paper so similar to loads of like flexibility exercises that I would like do every day, but it's changing the pitches constantly. So it's not actually using the harmonic system, but kind of a variety of the harmonic system. So it's much more kind of complex um, in terms of like the actual notes that are used, but the kind of structure of it is really natural for the horn. the conversation start when it comes to thinking about a project or a particular piece have those conversations that have taken place are they based around technique what's possible and what's not possible and 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 or maybe an idea that you might have the Derek or are the conversations broader than that are they more about sort of life and music and everything and 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 that then sparks you to in some you know, curious way to, to, to write the pieces that you've written? The things I remember most are the little um, obscure points of, of um, you know, things like how far can you lip a note down without it cracking into the next, next harmonic down, this kind of thing. Insights like that are, are very useful and stick in my mind <laughs> very, very well. 
Um, so I think maybe from my point of view, it's the the little technical things that that you know that stimulate me. In our conversation so far, it's usually Derek saying, how do you feel about Glissandi? Or like, how do you feel about uh, singing and playing? Like, what is your range for singing and like this kind of thing? So usually that's how the conversation will start with is like a very specific technical question. It's very early days for us both still in this collaboration. So maybe we'll delve into philosophical things a little bit later. But I think, yeah, we're just kind of getting to know each other now. There's a technical thing that um, I, I must ask you, um, you know, online in public um, at the moment, and that that's about the, you know, the huge range of the horn it's from the bottom of the bass clef, you know, right up to the top of the treble clef. What I'm not totally sure about is to what extent can you keep going from the top range to the bottom range and back and forth? If you were doing that all the time, you'd probably end up quite exhausted. You'd end up with a sore lip, or would you? Well, actually, it's kind of a nice, because the high register requires so much pressure on the embouchure, yeah. like, and can get really tiring to stay up there for a long time. So actually going down into the low register can be a really kind of welcome break. So right down to the very bottom. To the very bottom, yeah. Well, or, or even just to the mid register. The vibration down in the lower register can kind of increase the blood flow a little bit to the lips after being so compressed <laughs> in the high register sort of thing. It's definitely possible and neat, like requires a lot of work, of course, but it can, can be worth it for the kind of extreme change of timbre. The fact that this project has been done during a global pandemic where even if you could, it would be near impossible at the moment for you both to meet and, and work together in person. Have you any idea or is it too early to say what your kind of plans are, uh, you know, in the sort of months ahead for this partnership? <laughs> You're raising your hands up, Derek, as if to say, who knows? <laughs> Of course, really hard to tell, but one of the pieces that Derek has written is called Distancing and is actually kind of modelled on the idea of the pandemic and all of us being distanced. And it's for a horn quartet with each of them never being in the same register or in the same kind of like dynamics and stuff. So it's, it's highlighting the differences between each four lines. So we were discussing that yes. I could record three parts and play on like the principal horn part live in a stream or something like that. So that would be a really cool thing to work towards.
An extract from Derek Ball's Distancing, recorded specially for the podcast by Hannah Miller and composed through their participation in CMC's Contemporary Artists Network. One of the things that struck me, Linda, about talking to Derek and Hannah was the intergenerational aspect of the collaboration and how they would in all likelihood have not met in normal circumstances. Well, on a more obvious level, uh, Derek and Hannah may never have met because Derek is based in Scotland and in the past few years, Hannah has lived in Dublin, Helsinki, New York and now in Paris. So they have really not even been on the same landmass. This is one of the many reasons I was so keen to have as much random selection as possible, because in any discipline, great ideas can emanate from collaborations between people with long experience working alongside people who are fresh from all of the latest thinking, whatever that field is. Uh, I think that is one of the advantages maybe also of going for random selection. If you're preparing, by definition, you know each other already. That's fine if you decide you want to work with French horn and you know a French horn player and you approach that person and say, would you like to do this with me? Then that makes perfect sense. But the randomness of this creates a freshness. And as you say, you meet people that you might never in your life have met before. And I think it's pretty obvious from their conversation, they hit it off. The chances of several works composed especially for Hannah is already very much a reality. And and there aren't really that many other opportunities for composers to explore all of the fantastic sounds that could be made by an instrument by somebody at Hannah's level who really knows the the instrument inside out. So I know that Derek is enjoying that. And um, all the better they met through the colleagues programme. And we look forward to see what happens further on in, in the collaboration. I am keeping track of all 38 others. And these two were just being highlighted because um, they are quite different pairings and they represent various different aspects of the programme. But there's a lot of exciting things going on in all of the other collaborations as well. And indeed, we hope to cover more of of those collaborations over the coming months uh, at different points in both on the podcast and on our website at cmc.ie. Linda, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for inviting me, Jonathan. That's all for this week. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Until then, thanks for listening.